Welcome to Fantasy Baseball today. What's up, everybody? We've got the Commissioner product launching on CBS Sports. We got team previews coming out, the written version in a little bit. I mean, you're going to start seeing as we get into February and March so much awesome content on our website, and it's time to get pumped about fantasy baseball. I will get, like right now I'm at like 95% pumped. After the Super Bowl, I will be 100% pumped. Still a big football week. But I want to welcome Scott White and Heath Cummings. You guys ready to preview every single team today? Lightning round. I like it. Yeah, yeah. Something we've never done before. You know, we usually talk a long time about a few people. At least, you know, during January and February, but, you know, we'll, we speed it up as we get closer. Uh, but today we're gonna talk a short amount of time about a whole bunch of people and just give you sort of an overview and get you ready for uh, what to expect for each team. 30 teams. We'll get to all of them and good morning, Heath. Good morning, Adam. I am, uh, in slow motion this morning, but I'm going to speed things up quickly. (laughs) I had a burr. We have a a lake behind our house and there was a bird on the lake. Making this horrendous screeching noise <laughs> the entire night. I was like, doesn't someone have a shotgun? Oh, wow. Heath. Just wow. to scare it, just to scare it, right? Just, What's that? Just to scare it off. No, shoot the bird dead. Heath! <laughs> what? Well, he, this isn't rural Missouri, Heath. <laughs> he's joking. We hope. No, he's joking. Um, well, I'm sorry to hear that. Maybe he was trying to warn you about something. You know, like Is hunting it, birds like taboo now. I, look, I don't know. You people get offended over everything. So, <laughs> should uh, I formally apologize for saying that someone uh, might shoot a bird? Have you ever shot a bird? I have shot a bird. Have you ever flicked a bird? Flicked a bird. Get it? It's awful. Sorry. Oh, that is bad. I, I didn't get it. That's even worse. I, I didn't yeah. get that. All right, hey, listen. Let's uh, let's get into the show. We got time for emails after we preview every team. But we'll start off with email of the day from Matt at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. CBSI, the letter I. Zach Cozart, one-hit wonder or sixth-year sophomore slump? Depends on how Chris Towers looks at it. Anyway, maybe it's just me, but I think Zach Cozart is is an ideal one-hit wonder candidate. Never cleared 16 home runs, walked more than 40 times, or batted higher than 260 in any single season. Last year at age 31, Zach Cozart... Uh, yeah, he's got the numbers here, but I'll give the exact ones. 297, 24 homers, 63 RBIs. Uh, but he improved his walk rate a lot, that's for sure. Okay, who, what do you guys think? Is Zach Cozart, he's a great example. Is Zach Cozart yeah, a one-hit yeah, wonder? Yeah, he's a great example of what I was saying the other day, where I, you know, I, I'm willing to believe in a one-hit wonder if there's enough value to it. Because n- nobody believes in Zach Cozart you could get him in like round 17 even though he was the fifth best shortstop on a per game basis last year and And it better be on a per game basis because he doesn't play 150 (laughs) I think it's worth a gamble at that point I mean I I don't know that you want to rely on him as your one and only shortstop maybe you know just if you if you uh, don't get a true stud at that position you draft him and hope he performs like a true stud but uh, I don't see any risk to taking him at that point. Um, to answer the question in the email, absolutely he is a one-hit wonder. There's no reason to expect anything like what he did last year. Um, I expect him to come crashing back down to earth and just be an average shortstop. It's a fine middle infielder, but terrible park shift going from Cincinnati out to Anaheim. The home run total is going to fall. He's going to have to... I, I don't know where he's going to hit in the order, but I assume towards the bottom in that order. 
So, and he never stays healthy enough to play 150 games. He's done it once in his career. Cozart has so, has pop. I mean, he has shown that each of the last three years. The last year, 24 homers in 122 games. That's a pretty nice pace. I'm going to redefine pop. For a short somebody, he's got he's definitely got 20 homer potential. He's shown that three years in a row. When when some when we say somebody has has pop, they have to be able to hit the ball hard. Okay, but he's got homer. He hits home runs. He hit home runs in Cincinnati, one of the best home run parks in baseball. Uh, his home run, his home road splits were exactly even last year for home runs. Twelve in ho- twelve at home, twelve on the road. Okay, and he I, was on a career pace, and I don't expect that. I think the, the point I was trying to make is that the batting average is is what really I personally don't buy. I'm sure you guys don't either. And he only well, hit he had a 400 BABIP in his first two months, and then he hit 255 in his last 71 games. For the year, he had a 312 BABIP, which is. Pretty close to average. Not it's for t- him. He's always right. been a low BABIP guy, but he's on a two-year trend now of much harder contact than he made in the past. Still not a hard contact guy overall, but much harder contact than earlier in his career. And I, I, I think there might be something to that. Maybe. Like, again, for a late-round pick, why not Why not just say, I don't know what's going to happen, but I want to be the beneficiary. Yeah, I just—that's fine. If he's there in the 17th round and you— but if he's a 17th round value, then that's the definition of, of one year wonder. Well, I, I love the idea of, I don't know if this is realistic, but in, in an ideal world, if I draft Zach Cozart, I'm playing in a 12 team or a 10 team league with one shortstop and you know, everybody's drafting just one shortstop and you just wait and wait and wait and you're the last person or maybe the second to last person to draft a shortstop and you fall back on Zach Cozart. If there are only 12 or 13 shortstops drafted, then I don't think Zach Cozart should be drafted. But here's the Fair thing, enough. like you know, there's going to be Andrelton Simmons guy types on the waiver wire. Um, you know, there's going to be um, Marcus Simeon types. Like, even if Zach Kozar busts, you can get a competent shortstop. I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I agree. All right. Well, I know that's the guy that you guys are not going to agree on. We've already had an argument about this about a month ago, and we'll have another one next month. Can't wait. So, uh, okay, we got. Very unimportant news to get to. It's unbelievable when I check the MLB headlines how little is happening right now, and it's January 31st. But the big news is this. CBS Sports Commissioner launched this week, and yes, we are a little biased, but I will tell you honestly, I like playing on CBSSports.com so much more than I like playing on other sites. It's just better, it's simpler, and yet at the same time, it's more customizable. So check it out. Go to CBSSports.com slash FBT. You can... Create your own stat categories. Adjust scoring by position. We have a deep player pool. We have minor leaguers and even a feature to add your own player. We I ha- spend a lot of time in the offseason making sure all the the current minor leaguers are in there. So I can vouch for that. Yeah. Uh, we have great adva- advanced stats for the people who are more into analytics. And Commissioner's gotten even better this year. So you can trade future draft picks, up to three years of future draft picks. So if you want to, you know, make a playoff push now or build for the future. I know people love Dynasty. It's a great place to do Dynasty leagues. And I think we nailed the Shohei Otani setup. He'll be one player with starting pitcher and DH eligibility. So step it up, guys. Step up to the big leagues this season. Play fantasy baseball where we play fantasy baseball on CBSSports.com. And to show a little love to this podcast... When you do that, we want you to visit cbssports.com slash fbt and start your league today. cbssports.com slash fbt. Uh, get started. All right, here are your very unimportant news and notes, unless I'm wrong here. 
The Royals traded Brandon Moss and Ryan Buckter to Oakland for pitchers Jesse Hahn and Heath Fillmire. And, yeah, do you care? No, no, not really. I mean, it doesn't look like Moss really has a place to play. His best years came with the A's, but I think he's beyond usefulness in fantasy. If you're looking for a meaning to this trade, it's an AL only. Jesse Hahn gets a chance to compete for a rotation spot in Kansas City. And if Eric Hosmer is not re-signed, which I think is probably going to happen, but if he doesn't go back to Kansas City, this makes it a lot easier for guys like Hunter Dozier and Jorge Soler to get regular everyday at-bats. The Brewers signed Matt Albers to a two-year deal worth $5 million. He's coming off a great year. And the Reds signed David Hernandez, a relief pitcher. Do you think Albers or Hernandez pose any threat to the incumbent closers in Milwaukee and Cincinnati? Not a single one. Nope. And Arizona signed Alex Avila, who would also fit the description of a one-year wonder. He had his career year last year with the, the oh, Tigers and Cubs. did he? Did he not? Did he have his career year, though? 2009, he was okay. an elite catcher in fantasy. All right, yeah, sorry. I forgot about seven years ago. Uh, <laughs> there okay. was that one-off year. But yeah. no, it's 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 a it's worth bringing up because his batted ball uh, tendencies were mirrored that year pretty closely, and he had, like you said, another very good offensive season. Um, that you know, for whatever reason, he had issues uh, totally overtaking James McCann in, in Detroit, and then he was traded to the Cubs, where he was purely a backup. But it, he should have first dibs to that role. Uh, with the Diamondbacks, and I'm I'm interested in seeing what he's doing. It, it's such a thin position. Um, I I don't know that he's going to get drafted in one catcher leagues, but I I wouldn't surprise me if he becomes relevant in them. Okay, that's Alex Avila we're talking about. Is with the Diamondbacks, and I just want to point out, like Ionetta had a, an even better year than Avila last year. He's not on the team anymore, but Jeff Mathis plays a lot for the Diamondbacks, and Chris Herman catches sometimes too. So is this a bad landing spot for for any catcher? It just seems like they don't give anybody enough work. And Avila well, was I, top 20. He was 17th in points, 16th in Roto last year. The complication with Ionetta is he crushes lefties. So that's always going to limit his playing time um, because managers just don't enjoy using him against righties. The fact that Avila bats left-handed, I think, is going to make him a clearer number one for the Diamondbacks than Ionetta was. Okay. All right, then. You guys ready to uh, rock and roll here? Oh, yes, absolutely. We're going to give you a sleeper, a breakout, a bust, and a key position battle for each team. We're going to go from the NL East to the AL East, then the Centrals, then the West. And I'm ready to rock and roll. Here we go. Start with the Braves. Scott White, give me a sleeper for the Braves. I'm going to go with Ronald Acuna, who's kind of a mid-round sleeper, a top prospect in baseball, and even as a 20-year-old, could make a big impact right away. Power, speed, uh, surged up the minor league ladder last year, got better at every stop. Not clear he's going to have a job right away, but it'll probably be no more than a couple weeks into the season. He's a starter. Who is a Braves breakout this year? Ozzie Albies, who may have snuck up on people at the end of last season, uh, but Per game basis, fantasy points per game. He was the sixth best shortstop in fantasy last year. Extra base power. He runs. He hits for contact. Also very young, but I, I think he could uh, be a, a stud at that position. And a bust on the Braves. I'm going to go with Arotis Viscaino because even though it seems like he has the stuff 
to close. He had kind of a high FIP last year, and he's not the best reliever in that bullpen. A.J. Minter, uh, a rookie who had like a 23-2 to two strikeout to walk rate, something like that last year. Uh, he's. I think he'll take over at some point this season. What's a position battle to watch? Position battle to watch, other than the Acuna situation. I'm watching the whole starting rotation because we're on the verge of all those pitching prospects beginning to to overtake uh, some of the fill-ins there. Luis Gohar is obviously an important one to watch this spring, but then not far behind him, you have Mike Soraka, Colby Allard. Uh, you have a lot of arms to keep an eye on there. So that's something I'm watching this spring and beyond. You can tell I'm going to have a very active role in today's show. Let's go to the Miami Marlins, Heath. Going to be one of the worst teams in baseball. Give me a sleeper on the Marlins. I think you have to go with Justin Bohr. And with Justin Bohr, the hope is just that he could finally play 150 games early in his career. The problem was they didn't want him to face lefties. He's also had some injury histories in his past, especially last year. Now they have no reason to do anything other than play him every day, see how he hits against lefties last year. 289 average, 25 home runs in just 108 games. If he goes 150 games, he could be a 35 homer guy. All right, how about a breakout? Is there is there a breakout on the Marlins? Sure. You, I mean, Scott might say he can't be a breakout because he hasn't played enough yet in the major leagues, but Lewis Brinson would be my choice for a breakout. He is by far the most exciting player on this Marlins team. He has played 107 games at AAA, 18 home runs, 18 stolen bases, and a 983 OPS. He could be special. Other than Derek Jeter, who's a bust on the Marlins? I'm not going to <laughs> give you a bust for the Marlins. There isn't one. JT Realmuto is the only one that's going to be drafted high enough to where he could be a bust, and I just don't see it. How about a position battle? Absolutely. It's the closer position battle, and this may be a rotating door. Brad Ziegler, Kyle Bearclaw. Drew Steckenrider, say that three times fast. I wouldn't be surprised if all three of these guys get a chance to be the closer at one point or another, and we'll provide some value with saves. We go to the Philadelphia Phillies. Scott White, give me a sleeper for the Phillies. Sleeper for the Phillies, I'm going to go J.P. Crawford, who's going to take over at shortstop this year. They traded Freddie Galvis to make sure of it. And if you look at what he did over his final 60 or so games in the minors last year after making an adjustment in his stance, had an OPS over 900. The power suddenly was there. The batting average suddenly matched up, matched up with the contact rate he was showing down there. So, yeah, it's easy to look at the the, the overall line, the minors, the last two couple of years and be like, there's nothing here. But there was a reason he's been a top 10 prospect for so long, and he showed it uh, right before his call-up last year. And a breakout for the Phillies. So Reese Hoskins kind of started to break out last year. You may see him go as early as, like, round five this year, maybe as late as round eight or nine, uh, but I think he could provide second-round production. Big-time power he showed the last two years in the minors and much better batting eye than you normally see for a, a guy straight out of the minors. I think Edwin Encarnacion potential here, maybe even like a right-handed Anthony Rizzo. How about a bust for the Phillies? So a bust for the Phillies. Uh, I'm, I'm a little worried that Cesar Hernandez uh, could – have his playing time threatened by Scott Kingery, a 2020 guy in the minors last year, and uh, who's on, he's on the verge of getting promoted. He has to play somewhere. Cesar Hernandez deserves to play, but his playing time may be threatened. And finally, Scott, a position battle. The outfield has become crowded with the signing of Carlos Santana pushing Reese Hoskins out there. Suddenly, Nick Williams, Aaron Altair, two guys who showed a lot of potential last year. They don't have jobs all to themselves anymore. I would rather Altair get the majority of the playing time there, but uh, really I just want one to play regularly and the other to go somewhere else. Well, let's go somewhere else. Let's go to the New York Mets, Heath. Let's meet the Mets. Give me a sleeper. 
you know, sometimes people say sleepers are guys you've never heard of. Sometimes it's just more of an underdrafted. I'll go with that version. Matt Harvey's not even going to get drafted in some leagues. And when he does, it's going to be very, very late. And I don't know that we should completely write out the possibility of Matt Harvey regaining not everything that he had from those special seasons in 2013 and 2015, but at least a partial regaining of form. He could be somebody that gets back close to a strikeout per inning. And listen, he could still be a 15-win pitcher. All right. Is there a breakout for the Mets? Absolutely. It's Ahmed Rosario, a consensus top 30 prospect coming into last year. He struggled a little bit. Really pretty surprising the way that he struck out in the major leagues because that was not an issue in AAA. But you look at his AAA slash line from 2017, 328, 367, 466 at shortstop. That will play. All right. A bust. I am not confident at all in the prospects of Michael Conforto, and people seem to be more confident than I am. And it's not anything about Michael Conforto other than the fact that he's not healthy. He's got this injury that he's recovering from that they're saying he's going to be ready in May at the earliest. And the Mets have gone out and added Jay Bruce and Adrian Gonzalez to play first base. This is a team that for two years now hasn't played him every day when we felt like he should. I'm a little bit worried that Michael Conforto is going to return any value in the first half of the season. And then finally, Heath, a position battle for the Mets. Yeah, I'm not sure it's so much of a position battle right now as it is what are they going to do on the infield? You look at their depth chart right now, and they, they've re-signed Jose Reyes, but they've talked about how they want to use him as more of an utility player, playing him all over the field and resting several of the older players they have. Wilmer Flores currently slots in as a starter, and if he was playing every day, that would be interesting. So I want to see, do they add another infielder, or is Wilmer Flores going to get regular at-bats? Finally, the class of the NL East, the Washington Nationals. Scott, who's a sleeper? I'm going to go with Tanner Roark here, mainly because we know one thing he does provide is innings, and innings are becoming pretty scarce. Uh, getting the, getting that length in a game, getting the opportunity to win games, which certainly he'll do with the Nationals. But I also think last year was kind of fluky in terms of his performance. Over his final uh, 14 appearances, he had a 390 ERA, much better, had a, had a grip issue that he corrected then, and we've seen him be a fantasy standout in the past. You can get him pretty late. Is there a breakout for Washington? So it's kind of a stretch, but I'm going to say their top prospect, Victor Robles, we got, he got a taste of the majors last September, played mostly some defense, pinch ran, I don't think Michael Taylor is the answer in center field. Not enough contact there. Robles has huge upside. I don't know when he's going to get the call, but he'll be an exciting call-up when he does. I'm going to count to three, and let's say the bust at the same time. One, two, three. Ryan Zimmerman. Ryan Zimmerman. Yeah, yes, exactly. Uh, it was mostly carried by the first couple months when he looked like Miguel Cabrera in his prime, but uh, then leveled off there, particularly in the second half, hit less than 270. Injury history there. And the success, you know, the only argument you could really make for it is, oh, he's healthy for once. But, you know, even at his healthiest, he was never that good. And, um, you know, I, I think he's going to be more like he was in the second half. Now, real quick, where's the position battle you're watching? Fifth starter is the only one of any real interest. Eric Fetty's a prospect. He could maybe factor there. I would I would prefer him to somebody like A.J. Cole or Edwin, Edwin uh, Jackson. But... Um, there, there's not a, there's not huge upside for any of that group, I don't think. All right, I'm going to take a kind of a recap here of the NL East, and we talked about Ozzy Albie's, J.P. Crawford, right? We mentioned him. Yep. 
and uh, Ahmed Rosario. What do you think about those three middle infielders, young, talented players? Who do you think will give you the most return in 2018? Oh, I, I think Albies is clearly the, the safe answer. He's on both both of our breakout lists, Ozzy Albies. He's, he's done the most in the majors so far. I, Albies is the safest. I have the highest expectations for Albies. I think it's possible if you're talking about return on draft position, it could be Rosario just because he's going to be drafted later. Yeah, it could be. They all, they're all, they all were top 10 prospects, I think, last year. Certainly top 15, 20. And, uh, one showed his potential in the majors. The other two haven't yet, but you, like, I like Crawford because of all the contact he makes. I don't know what happened to Rosario's strikeout to walk ratio after he got called up because he made good contact in the minors. But there's upside for all three. All right, and then in terms of taking a starter late, would you rather gamble on Matt Harvey or Tanner Roark? Roark for sure. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's – like, Roark's going to give you something. Harvey could give you nothing. Mm-hmm. There is a small percent chance Harvey gives you a lot more than Roark could. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I yeah, I'd rather go Roark. Let's go to everybody's favorite division, the American League East. Start with the Baltimore Orioles. We give this one to Heath Cummings, sleeper for Baltimore. I'll go back to Crush Davis. He finally broke the every other year pattern Chris Davis did with a very disappointing 215 batting average, just 26 home runs, only played a 128 games, but he's still going to be the Orioles everyday first baseman. He still has huge power potential, and we've seen him fall to the very last round of some of our drafts. All right, a breakout for the Orioles. As of right now, it looks like it could be Austin Hayes. They have not added really anything in the outfield that would prevent him from having a chance to win a job in spring training. Hayes last year, 32 home runs in the minor leagues to go along with a 329 batting average, and he didn't even strike out that much. A Baltimore bust. I'm a little concerned about Jonathan Scope doing anything close to what he did last year, and unfortunately people are ranking him as a top five second baseman. So if he was available as a number 10 or number 12 second baseman, I would feel fine with that. I feel like he's going to fall back down to the 25 home run range, probably hit around 270. That's just not good enough to be number five at second base. Position battle. It goes back to the outfield because if they give this job to Austin Hayes on a regular basis, that's going to be really exciting. But they still have Joey Ricard. They could still add a cheap outfielder. It looks like there will be several of those available. So I want to see who is their starting outfield. All right, Scott, let's talk about the Boston Red Sox. Give me a sleeper for the Red Sox. So there isn't a natural fit for this category. I'm looking at David Price here uh, just because I think there's this perception that he's he's kind of finished after a year where his elbow bugged him off and on. Um, and, you know, he wasn't great the year before that. But coming back from this elbow injury last year, pitching out of the bullpen, he was great. He was, you know, as, as good as we've ever seen David Price. Obviously needs to get stretched out again in spring training. But I, I think there's a chance we could see Ace – level production from him again, and you can potentially draft him as like your third pitcher. Which young former elite prospect are you going with as your Red Sox breakout? Yeah, I'm going with Devers as the breakout. Rafael Devers, who uh, I just, he just seems so advanced for a hitter as somebody who was up as a 21-year-old last year, hit it all directions about one-third of the time left, center, right, which is obviously great news for a left-handed hitter at Fenway Park. Um doesn't strike out a lot for a player that age. Hit lefties better than righties last year. Went 20 for 50 against lefties. Uh, and I just think uh, there, there's so much ceiling here to go along with a high floor already. All right, who's going to be a bust, Scott? 
So a bust for the Red Sox. I am going to go with Xander Bogarts just because he's getting drafted too high. Again, I thought he was basically a bust last year. And, uh, you know, you look at his year-to-year trends. There's been two years where he's been a real standout in fantasy. One has relied on a fluky BABIP. One relied on a fluky home run to fly ball percentage last year. Um, yeah, last year is more what we should expect from him going forward. Finally, a position battle for Boston. Uh, so the position battle situation here is, you know, things are pretty well decided. Hanley Ramirez, I think, uh, you know, might, might be at risk of losing playing time. That's why he's not really mixed league material at this point. Uh, but there isn't, there isn't something that I'm watching hoping that a certain someone takes the job from a certain someone else. Taking a look at the New York Yankees now, Heath. Give me a sleeper on the Yankees. Could anybody be a sleeper? Like, it's the Yankees. But I'll, I'll say Aaron Hicks, because I do think some people may have some concerns still about the playing time. They've got to play Aaron Hicks. They can't mess around with Jacoby Ellsbury. And so I think Hicks still, you look at what he did last year in just 88 games, 15 home runs, 20 stolen bases. He could be a 2020 guy, this guy, and he's drafted at the very end of the draft. All right, breakout for the Yankees? Uh Jordan Montgomery, and maybe just because he pitches a full makes 32 starts and gives up around 200 innings, and on this team, that could make somebody a threat to win 18 games. Who's a bust for the Yankees? I'm not quite buying Didi Gregorius, even though he's done it for a couple years in a row. I don't, I'm not sure. I think there's a very decent chance he finishes outside of the top 12 shortstops. Position battle? I don't really see one that's of interest here. I guess the one thing would be, let's make sure that the Yankees are not dumb and giving too much playing time to Jacoby Ellsbury. Let's get Glaber Torres as a starting job. That's yeah, I, I don't really think that's going to happen at the start of the year. It doesn't seem like they want to do that. Pretty early, we would think, maybe. All right, uh, Scott, let's go to the Tampa Bay Rays. Give me a sleeper on the Rays. Sleeper, I'm going to go Kevin Kiermeyer, who uh, missed part of last year with an injury, but when he was healthy, he showed a lot of what he's shown the last couple years, some power, some speed, enough to think he could be a 2020 man if he got enough playing time, and not the kind of strikeout rate that would normally scare you away from a player uh, drafted like he is. So I, I like him. He's a sleeper. All right. How about a breakout for the Rays? Breakout, I'm going to go with Blake Snell, who uh, spent some time in the minors last year after just a dreadful start and came back, particularly last eight to ten starts, looked like a different pitcher. The walk rate was still on the high side, but it wasn't like as awful as it was at the start of the year. He got back to striking out a batter per inning. And uh, still has electric stuff. Still has ace upside, I think. Well, Snell was a bust last year, unfortunately. But who's going to be a bust this year? Alex Colome is the bust here. Who He led the majors in saves last year. So I think people view him as the safe closer. I know he's gotten a lot of trade attention. But his peripherals were pretty bad. Strikeout rate was way down from two years ago when he genuinely did look good. And even if he doesn't get traded, if he gets traded, it could be as a setup role. And if he doesn't get traded, he could just outright lose the job. And do we have a position battle to watch for Tampa Bay? Fifth starter, definitely interesting. Brent Honeywell, arguably the top pitching prospect in baseball, knocking on the door. But there's also Nathan Avaldi and Matt Andres there. Oh, come on. Just give it to Honeywell. Thank you, Scott. Let's go to the Toronto Blue Jays. Heath, a 76-win team last year. Give me a sleeper. <laughs> this is You're going to laugh at this one. But I wonder if the Toronto Blue Jays breathe some life into the career of Curtis Granderson. We've seen Granderson start slow, start slow, and then he has that one amazing month. But we have also seen outfielders go to Toronto, and all of a sudden that white towel starts waving out in the outfield. They know it's coming, and they hit a bunch of home runs. Okay. How about a breakout then? Speaking of a bunch of home runs, Randall Gritchick. 
The guy has a 40% hard contact rate and a 43% fly ball rate. That could translate to 40 home runs. How about a bust? Is it Justin Smoke? It's absolutely 100%. The, the poster boy for the one-year wonder <laughs> season, Justin Smoke. Okay, all right. A position battle for the Toronto Blue Jays? The entire infield. We've got Jan Hervis Solarte, Troy Tulowitzki, Aledmus Diaz, Devin Travis, Steve Pierce. There's too many bodies for this infield. I want to see a couple of guys win an everyday regular spot. I'm afraid Solarte is going to lose a lot of value because he won't. Quick follow-up here. Would you rather have Justin Smoke or Justin Bohr? I will take Justin Smoke over Justin Bohr just because the lineup is better. All right, here's my AL East recap, fellas. There's just one guy that we call the breakout that I'm wondering if he's going to be a bust. And that's Rafael Devers. Depends where he goes. But i got to be honest, like I looked at Ben Benintendi last year as that obvious breakout. Even though he was a top 15 outfielder, I kind of considered him a bust. He had a that's ridiculous. He had a much worse year than 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 what I was hoping for, and then what he did in 2016. I'm just worried the same thing's going to happen to Devers. Like you know, he came up that he's not going to be able to repeat his slash line, and he's going to be fine. But it's not going to be till 2019 when Devers truly breaks out. First of all, I haven't seen too many people reaching for Devers. It's you know, there's there's more than 12. Starting caliber third baseman, so he's he's not always even drafted as num a uh, number one third baseman in fantasy. So uh, and even if he is, you know, there's Adrian Beltre to fall back on. There there are plenty of fallback options there. I don't think you have to worry about the bottom falling out. Too, like I said, I think the floor is very high with his contact tendencies. Um, Sophomore slump. Yeah, I, I just think you're I think you're concerned about nothing here. I, if if it is very possible that he busts just like. Benintendi busted this year. <laughs> he busts his way to fourth round value. Look, I don't no, know. But, 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 but Benintendi, Benintendi did not give you fourth round value. Absolutely not. He gave you like seventh or eighth round value. Uh, I mean, six. just just look Fifth at his, six. his OPS was so much worse. I don't get any yeah. fantasy points for OPS. We're... You do get fantasy points for OPS. I'm just in a points league. His plate discipline was great, but in a roto league, he he. He was like, I don't know. He was, he was I don't, right? I don't think whatever. there's a single person listening out there saying, you know what? Drafting Andrew Benintendi ruined my season. No, no. And that's okay. why he was a mild Nobody bust. But he certainly didn't break out. He certainly didn't break out. That's true. Right? Okay. That's that's kind of the point I'm getting with, with Devers is that. Okay. Yeah, he may not break out. Yeah. But his, his floor <laughs> is not breaking out and being good. <laughs> yeah. It just Just pure numbers, though, a 776 OPS for an outfielder is not good. And that was what Talking Ben Attendee said. Ben yeah, that's what he gave for, me last For a 20 steal outfielder, it's, you know, it's all right. It's all yeah. right. It's all right. He was all right. Okay, let's go to the National League Central. The Chicago Cubs. Scott White. Sleeper for the Cubs. I am going to go with Mike Montgomery. If he actually does get the chance to start this year, uh, the numbers that aren't going to blow you away, but a decent strikeout rate. And really what I'm looking at is the relief pitcher eligibility in leagues. I'm thinking especially points leagues where – you can get a starting pitcher in your relief pitcher spot, especially one with a lot of chances for wins. Uh, he could be uh, a sneaky contributor for you this year. Montgomery, a sleeper. Who's a breakout? Brandon Morrow, who right now is in line to be the closer after uh, emerging as a top setup man for the Dodgers last year. They used him a lot during the postseason. But you know, great strikeout-to-walk ratio, uh, never allows home runs. Really everything you want in a closer. It's just a matter of him staying healthy. A bust for the Cubs. Got a couple choices here. I'm going to go with Lester, though. I think he, he's the one who has the um, biggest chance of completely pulling the rug out from under you. Just don't like what I'm seeing there, some of the trends, the the, the velocity dropping, 
the the swings and misses dropping could go the way of Cole Hamels or Felix Hernandez. And how about a position battle for the Cubs? Got to be got to be the second base right. where Javier Baez played a lot in the postseason. He was their primary option. I think he will be again. But Ian Happ, power hitters knocking on the door. He could also play some outfield, but they have Alberto Mora out there. Jason Hayward, maybe they lose playing time. Definitely kind of messy for Joe, uh, Joe Madden again, but Hap is the one who will be most impacted by it. Cincinnati Reds, Heath, sleeper. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're looking at a sleeper here, I like Anthony Desclafani. I think he could be the Lance Lynn of this year. I know Lance Lynn wasn't all that exciting, but Desclafani has shown us in the past 2015, 2016 with a FIP in the high threes. He could get up around 180, 190 innings, and he's available for absolute free. All right, a breakout for the Reds. This is going to sound a little bit strange because we don't normally call closers breakouts, but we have not seen the best, I do not believe, of Rysel Iglesias. I love the way that they're using him. He's getting saves, and he's pitching multiple innings, which is a rare thing for a reliever. Rysel Iglesias has the ability to finish as a top three or four closer. Bust for the Cubs, or for the Reds, excuse me. You know who I'm going to say. It's it's one-hit wonder Scooter Jeanette with his 27 home runs and four-in-one game. And that was awesome. I hope he gets four-in-one game again because I enjoy that. But I do not think he's going to have an 874 OPS again. I think there's a very decent chance he ends up not playing against lefties by June. Is there a position battle to watch? It's the end of this Reds rotation because they do have some young pitchers that could become waiver wire ads in season. And they've got Robert Stevenson that if he were to be just a serviceable starting pitcher, he may be one of the top sparks. We go to the Milwaukee Brewers, a very interesting team, Scott White. Give me a sleeper for the Brewers. A lot of upside for this team. Josh Hader is the one I'm looking at as the sleeper. Won't be considered for a rotation spot in spring training, but he's clearly on the Chris Sale plan here, breaking him in as a reliever before uh, in- introducing him as your ace. Big-time bat-missing ability. Some walk issues, but he really cut down those over. Cut down on those over the final month and a half last year. Breakout for the Brewers. Christian Yelich, their newest acquisition, getting him out of Marlins Park and moving him to one of the most hitter-friendly parks, Miller Park. You just look at his home-away splits the last couple years. Pretty much all of his power came on the road. Uh, and I think he'll flirt with 25 home runs this year and should score a lot of runs at the top of that lineup, too. Who's a bust? Bust, the problem is Ryan Braun. Ryan Braun is the problem. He is standing in the way of better players. And that's an issue in its own right, but also the fact he gets hurt and, and misses uh, lengthy stretches. Even when he's healthy, he'll sit once or twice a week and uh, doesn't elevate the ball enough to be a big-time power hitter anymore, certainly not with that diminished playing time. How about a position battle for the Brewers? Got to be the outfield where Braun is standing in the way again. They've, they've talked about maybe playing him some at first base. He's mentioned second base is a possibility. That seems unlikely. But Eric Thames' is playing time is in jeopardy now. Domingo Santana, who's very trendy pickup in fantasy, got to wonder where he's going to play. Uh, I wouldn't mind if Braun just kind of moved out of the way, quite frankly. Let's go to the Pittsburgh Pirates, Heath, and give me a sleeper. We're going right back to the Sparps. It's Joe Musgrove traded from the Astros to the Pittsburgh Pirates. And I do think he has the ability to be an average starting pitcher. And if it's, you're an average starting pitcher, it's getting to start every fifth day and your relief pitcher eligible, then you have a lot of value in head-to-head points leagues. Breakout for the Pirates. There is this guy that I saw a couple of years ago, and he hit this grand slam. And in the moment, I just got so excited about it, and I have just thought he was going to be a breakout ever since. Josh Bell, 
255, 334, 466 last year as a 24-year-old. He has a lot more upside than that. Who's a bust for the Pirates? I'm going to go with Felipe Rivero. Relief pitchers can be fickle. He's being ranked by a lot of people as a top 10 relief pitcher this year. And if you want to know whether they can be fickle, just look at his stats. 2016, he had a 409 ERA, a 128 whip. And he's on a terrible team that may not give him many save opportunities. Finally, a position battle for the Pirates. I don't have one for the Pirates. I'm not sure they're going to have enough Major League caliber players to fill all their lineup spots anyway. Hey, fair enough. Works for me. So that brings us to the St. Louis Cardinals to finish out the NL Central. And Scott, give me a sleeper for the Cardinals. Sleeper for the Cardinals, I'm going with kind of a high-end sleeper, Tommy Pham, who I think, uh, I mean, he performed on a per-game basis on the levels like a Cody Bellinger. He was a stud last year taking over as a starter in May, but he's not getting drafted like that. There's a lot of skepticism out there. Uh, the ES power speed was 2020 guy in five months last year. Uh, gets on base at over a 400 clip. His month-to-month production was great. He just looks like he's good at so many things that even if he slips in one, he's still going to be awesome for you. Is there a breakout that you see for the Cardinals? So I'm going to go with Jose Martinez. I'm hoping they don't make a move to bump him out of the lineup, but we saw what he could do. They gave him regular playing time in September. He hit about 350 for the year. He hit over 300 with a Babbitt that is believable when you consider he had one of the best line drive rates in the ring and he in the league and he hits the ball to all fields i think he could be a batting title contender if he plays enough cardinals bust paul de is who i'm going with here if he gets drafted high enough there's a lot of disagreement over where he should be drafted but the plate discipline for him is just horrendous and i worry it's going to be a trevor story situation yes there's a lot of power there but if the batting average bottoms out he had a 349 babbit last year uh, then he won't have a lot to fall back on Position battle. Position battle's got to go with the rotation. Some young arms on the verge of breaking through. Luke Weaver looks like he has a job, but by by May, uh, their their big prospect, Alex Reyes, will be back. And uh, they also have Jack Flaherty, another top prospect who got a taste last year. All three could be contributors this year. Does anyone care about Miles Michaelis? Not really. Okay. <laughs> not really. I mean, good numbers in Japan, but not with big strikeout rates, and I'm just not sure how that's going to translate, at least for fantasy purposes over here. I know somebody that you guys disagree on in the National League Central, Scooter Jeanette. He said that's his bust. Scott is buying into Scooter Jeanette, at least at late-round value. Like, How would you compare Jeanette to, to Zach Cozart if you just needed a, a middle infielder? I'm more confident in Jeanette. Uh, I think the age... He's breaking out makes more sense. And, you know, basically what happened to him last year is he started hitting the ball harder and higher, harder at an age that makes sense, higher in a park that rewards it. He's still going to be in Cincinnati, unlike Cozart. And um, you know, from the time he was a starter, he was just a stud till the end of the season. I think he's I think he's pretty good, certainly for how late you can get him. Uh, Heath, do you want to jump in on that? Yeah, I mean, I think that Jeanette does have the benefit of being in that park. I worry that Jeanette is also more likely to turn back into a part-time player okay. just because of the struggles he had has had in his career against lefties. And those could vary. Like Lefty versus lefty splits are going to be inherently small. So over one season, when he starts to improve in that, that's going to be even smaller. All right. It is becoming clear to me that we will not have time for emails today. Maybe a few about pork rolls, but probably not any about baseball. But we have another <laughs> show coming up later this week. So I'll make sure that is a, a mailbag or at least a quasi-mailbag, and we have to talk about the sophomore slump. We also have to talk about 
SeatGeek. If we have any new listeners in 2018, maybe you don't know about SeatGeek. And to our veteran listeners, you do know about SeatGeek, and hopefully you've used our $20 discount code, FANTASY, and realized how great the SeatGeek app is. It is awesome. And if you need tickets to a game or a concert or comedy or theater, you need SeatGeek. I use it all the time. I really do. A few months ago, I went to a Knicks game with a friend, and he was looking for tickets on a different app. And I said, dude, download SeatGeek, search for the Knicks Heat game. And he found tickets in the same section, pretty similar row, but substantially cheaper price. And he used one of our promo codes and got 20 bucks off. By the way, the promo code for you to use is FANTASY. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, and it's fully guaranteed. So I swear by the SeatGeek app. I tell everyone about it. You need to use it. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code FANTASY. That's promo code FANTASY for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Moving on over to the AL Central, where the Royals play. But we're going to start with the White Sox. Heath Cummings, give me a sleeper on the White Sox. Yeah, I'm going to go with Carlos Rodon. He was one of my breakouts last year. He is not likely to be ready for opening day. But the nice thing is, most leagues you have DL spots. You don't have everybody that's got hurt yet at the beginning of the year, so you can draft Rodon with a late pick and stash him in a DL spot. He has things he must improve on. I hope he just started throwing, and I hope they're only going to let him throw change-ups for like the first month because he needs one desperately, or he needs it to be better. But I think it's pretty impressive for a kid his age, first three years in the majors, to strike out more than a batter per inning when he can't get righties out. All right. Well, how about a, a, a breakout for the White Sox? I'll go with Yohan Mankata. If you want to know what his upside looks like, just look look at what he did last year in AAA, 282, 377, 447. He's got 20, 20, maybe even 20, 30 potential. Number two prospect in baseball heading into last year. Bust for the White Sox. It's Avisail Garcia. There's no, He's not going to repeat a 392 BABIP, and if he doesn't hit 300, I'm not sure what else he's going to do for you. I'm not sure he hits 20 home runs. He's not really a steals guy. Not going to have huge run production numbers in that lineup. Finally, position battle. It's the entire starting rotation. We've got Lucas Giolito. We've got Reynaldo Lopez. We've got Carlos Rodon. We've got Michael Kopech coming eventually. Who are, who's going, who are going to be the starting pitchers for the White Sox? Scott, let's take a look at the Cleveland Indians and give me a sleeper for the Indians. Sleeper for the Indians is Bradley Zimmer, who is my favorite late round target for steals in a roto league. That's, that's the biggest reason I like him. Stole 18 bases in 101 games last year. But has potential beyond that, potential with the bat. He'll need to strike out less. He'll need to uh, be able to play against left-handed pitchers. But he was a power hitter in the minors. He got on base a lot in the minors. And, uh, you know, he may surprise you if you're only drafting him for steals. Breakout for the Cleveland Indians. I'm going with Mike Clevenger here. And uh, you could argue he already broke out last year. 312 ERA. Had an elite K per nine last year. Had an elite swinging strike rate last year. But he's not getting a lot of attention in fantasy, A, because of a walk rate, and B, because it's not so clear he'll have a job coming out of spring training. All right, how about a bust for Cleveland? Bust for Cleveland is somebody who's competing with Mike Clevenger, Danny Salazar, and I just, like, are we really going to do this again? Like, how many times does he have to show us he's not durable, he's not efficient, doesn't pitch deep into games, in and out of the rotation constantly? That's part of the reason I have hope for Clevenger, because it with what Salazar has shown this year, it would make a lot of sense for him to just transition to the bullpen, and the Indians are equipped to make that happen. And finally, a position battle. Fifth starter, right? Between Clevenger, yeah. Salazar, Josh Tomlin. Only two of those guys are in. One will have to be out. To me, Salazar makes the most sense, but it seems like the perception right now is Clevenger is going to be the one out. 
We'll see this spring. Here's the Detroit Tigers and Heath Cummings, a sleeper for Detroit. I'm going to go really old here. Victor Martinez is going to make one more run at it at least for the Detroit Tigers, and he has been for a majority of his career an elite hitter. He is going to be available at the very end of your draft. He's not going to give you maybe a lot in Roto, but in points leagues could be a guy that's an excellent on-base source. Wow, okay. How about a breakout for Detroit? Again, this is tough. This this is a team that's not that exciting, but Jamer Candelario is the best option for a breakout. He is going to get a chance to play third base regularly for the Cubs. He was pretty successful in the minor leagues last year with an 813 OPS, but I'll admit he's not overly exciting. <laughs> oh, how about that? Are you more excited about a bust? Like more conviction here? Um, I'll give you a little more conviction, but it's based on where he's. I'm seeing him ranked and not on ADP because we don't have that yet. It's Michael Fulmer. I don't particularly like low strikeout guys in the first place. 6.2K per nine last year, 6.08 over his career, and that's fine if it's a safe 200-inning guy, but now he's an injury risk as well, so I want no part of Michael Fulmer. Position battle. I want to see if Shane Green holds on to the closer's job because he could be a decent source of saves or if anybody else is going to push him. Scott, let's go to the Kansas City Royals. Give me a sleeper. Jake Judas is my choice here, and what he does really well is get a lot of called strikes. Kind of reminds me of Aaron Nola that way. So the hope is that, like Nola, uh, it eventually leads to him getting more strikeouts. Judas wasn't bad down the stretch last year, but he'll need to get a little better to be mixed league viable, especially pitching on a bad team. Breakout. Raul Mondesi, very deep breakout here. Somebody who shouldn't be drafted at all in standard mixed leagues. But what he did at AAA last year was perform up to expectations for the first time. He actually hit a little. He's been a good base dealer, an efficient base dealer throughout his minor league career. Now has competition for a bat since they're bringing Alcides Escobar back. But Mondesi's the one with the upside. Who will be a bust on the Royals? So most of their roster's so bad that there's not a lot of room to bust, but I'm going to go with their closer, Kelvin Herrera, who the way he pitched last year probably doesn't deserve to be a closer. It wouldn't be on most teams. He's still the best the Royals have, though. Um, I am not confident in him bouncing back, and if he becomes trade bait like I'm sure they'd like to move him, I'm not confident he'd be a closer with his new team. Is there a position battle you have your eye on? Oh, there are so many position battles here. I mean, Mondesi's the most interesting. Does he... Does he get to start at second base with Escobar sliding him over? And does that move Whit Merrifield to the outfield? Does Jorge Soler, who still has some upside, does he get a chance to play every day? Uh, not a lot of prospects on the verge of breaking in, but some interesting upside plays already there. The Minnesota Twins, Heath, give me a sleeper. We're going to give you a breakout, a breakout, and a breakout for the Twins. What? Because that's all they've got. This team is full of breakouts. <laughs> Jose Barrios is the first one I'll start with. And, you know, he had that terrible year in 2016 in the majors. But he's been awesome in the minor leagues. He was very good last year. I think he has 200 inning potential, 200 strikeout potential, and 15-plus win potential. He could look a lot like Justin Verlander of 2017. And your other breakout? One of my other breakouts is Byron Buxton. Listen, at the end of 2016, he gave us a, a month of awesome. At the end of 2017, he gave us two months of awesome. I'm expecting four-plus months of awesome from Byron <laughs> Buxton. I do see an opportunity for him to hit 20-plus home runs, steal 30-plus bases, and be a top-20 outfielder in Roto. And your other breakout? Miguel Sano <laughs> has broken out multiple times, but we have not seen the best Miguel Sano season. He has 50 home run potential. In fact, I might say that he is the third most likely hitter in baseball to hit 50 home runs if he could just stay healthy. 
And finally, a position battle for the Twins. Or is there another breakout? No, it's the closer. And I don't know that there'll be much of a battle in spring with Fernando Rodney, between Fernando Rodney and Addison Reed, but I do think there is a good chance that Addison Reed is an excellent AL only pick as somebody that will get saves eventually. I just want to go back to the Cleveland Indians here as we wrap up the AL Central. I want to know, Heath, do you still have faith in Danny Salazar? I don't think Danny Salazar is going to be a bust at his current draft position. I don't think he's going to be drafted high. I expect you can take Salazar in the teens, and I still think he has upside. All right, that was a a bust for Scott White, and he likes Clevenger better than Salazar. All right, let's go to the, uh, the National League West. Scott, we'll let you start with the Arizona Diamondbacks and a sleeper. Sleeper for the Diamondbacks is Zach Godley, who already started to emerge as a fantasy asset last year, but I think has upside beyond that. I think he's getting drafted too late. His He was top 10 both in terms of ground ball rate and swinging strike rate last year, which to me is an ace skill set, preventing home runs, missing a lot of bats. Uh, I, I think he's about to win a lot more games for a contending Diamondbacks team and be a big asset for you in fantasy. Zach Godley is sleeper. Who's a breakout for Arizona? Archie Bradley is currently in line to close, and he was one of the best set-up men in baseball last year. He'd do a great job at that. If they sign somebody else to do that, or if they trade Patrick Corbin, then he could slide into the starting rotation. And after getting his first taste of success in the majors, he might be better equipped to handle that. I think he has breakout potential either way. How about a bust? I'm going with Jake Lamb here, who for the second straight year faded in the second half. And this time, to the point that the Diamondbacks began sitting him consistently against left-handed pitchers, is just horrendous against them. And losing out on all those at-bats kind of takes him out of the mixed league conversation and I think really limits his upside in a way that's not reflected by what his draft position will be. Finally, a position battle for Arizona. So position battle, they got they have kind of some crowding in the middle infield and the outfield with Yasmani Tomas coming back this year, Brandon Drury. Seemingly doesn't have a place to play, but it's not like Cattell Marte at shortstop, Chris Owings at second base, even Tomas himself. It's not like any of them is so proven that they're just going to uh, get every day at bats all season long. I think Drury could outright overtake one of them or at least steal at bats. Okay, Heath Cummings, how about the Colorado Rockies? What do you got for them? Give me a sleeper. I'll give you a sleeper. It's Gerardo Parra. People think of Coors Field and think, man, it's there are so many home runs there. Well, what they forget is the outfield is enormous. It's also great for singles and doubles, and Parra is going to hit a ton of them. Hit 309 last season, hit 291 in 2015. He's got the ability to be a 300 hitter, and I'm not so sure that he doesn't play pretty much every day. Breakout for Colorado. I'll go with John Gray, and he had a mini breakout last season. I mean, it's pretty remarkable for a starting pitcher to have a sub-3-7 ERA pitching half of his games at Coors, but the way you do it is strike out nine and a half batters per nine like he has over his career. Gray has ace potential, even pitching for the Rockies. Who's a bust? I'm worried about Ian Desmond. There's the obvious health concerns. There's his batted ball data looked even worse last year. And they've got, they owe him a lot of money, but I don't know where they want to play him. Position battle for Colorado. It's first base right now because it looks like currently somebody like Ryan McMahon, who could be another breakout candidate for the Rockies, may get a chance to get a lot of plate appearances at first base for the Colorado Rockies. Do they add someone else or are they going to give McMahon a chance at least against righties? Scott, we'll go to the National League champions, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Give me a sleeper. Sleeper for the Dodgers, I think. The choice here has got to be Yasmani Grandal because it seems like he's going to be losing playing time in a way that will make him 
uh, insignificant in fantasy, but it doesn't take much to be significant at catcher. And he's still, he has a history of being one of the best, uh, percentage wise in baseball. I think they find a taker for him eventually. And I think he plays more regularly than he ever did with the Dodgers. Who's breaking out? The reason Grandal's a sleeper is because Barnes is on the verge of taking the fantasy world by storm. Was their primary catcher for the playoff run last year, even though he mostly backed up Grandall during, Grandall during the regular season. One to one strikeout to walk ratio, great on base ability, uh, above average power for a catcher. And if you just look at the games he started last year, fantasy points per game was equal to Gary Sanchez. All right, Scott, finally give me a bust on the Dodgers. Yeah, I guess it has to be Alex Wood just because, you know, the ERA was so low in the first half, the win-loss record unsustainable even on a great team. I, I think Alex Wood is a is a fine pitcher, but there's a good chance he's overdrafted based on those um, unsustainable trends from early last year. Is there a position battle to watch for Los Angeles? Second base is um, is going to be interesting because they have Chris Taylor who could play that, or he could move to center field. Logan Forsythe is still sticking around. They have a lot of outfield options. They could mix in Alex Vertigo, their top prospect. Seems like he's on the verge of debuting. Um, and, and really, they're, they're starting rotation. They have so many interchangeable parts there. I think the only certainties are Kershaw, Hill, and Wood. Finally, uh, well, we got two more teams left in the National League West. Excuse me. Let's go to the San Diego Padres. And Heath, give me a sleeper for the Padres. Yeah, I've got a, a sleeper and breakout that probably sound a lot very similar, but I'll go with Hunter Renfro as the sleeper. There are a ton of big power, big strikeout hitters in the major leagues. Hunter Renfro is one of those. 26 home runs in just 122 games last year. Yes, he strikes out too much, more of a roto play. But if this offense is good and he gets to play every day and stays healthy, he could drive in 100 runs. Breakout. Manuel Margot, we already knew he had the speed, but in the second half last year, he started to show a little bit of pop as well, changed his batted ball profile, hit 13 home runs, which was a surprise. I absolutely think he could steal 25 bases if he gets a little bit more adept at that. A bust for San Diego. I don't really see a bust on this roster, but if you had to choose one, it would be Will Myers, especially in Roto, because people are really counting on his stolen bases. Stole 28 in 2016, stole 20 last year in 2017, and if Generally, as you age, those numbers go down. If he falls down to the 10 to 12 range in stolen bases, he's not going to have a ton of value at first base. Heath, a position battle for the Padres. I really want to see who the five starters for the San Diego Padres are. I mean, Clayton Richard's going to be started. Denelson Lamette's going to be out there. But does Tyson Ross seize onto one of those spots, and does he look like he's 100% again? Let's go to the San Francisco Giants. Interesting team, Scott. A lot of offseason maneuvering. Give me a sleeper for San Francisco. Nobody wants to draft Mark Melanson, and I understand why. Missed a lot of time last year with an elbow issue. They have uh, uh, Chris Dyson, Sam Dyson, who who did a nice job filling in for him while he was out. But I mean, Melanson was a top ten closer in fantasy for a number of years. It should be helpful go at the start of the season, and I think the Giants, with uh, some of their offseason tinkering, are going to bounce back in a big way this year. Be at least a solid team, solid safe source. Is there a breakout on the Giants? Oh man, they're so old that I don't see a lot of breakout potential here. I suppose there's the chance that Austin Jackson, if he does get a chance to play full-time, was great as a part-timer for the Indians last year and has always had some interesting batted ball trends. Uh, you know, I don't have a lot of hope for him, but there's a chance we haven't seen the best yet. And a bust for San Fran. 
uh, I'm kind of going Andrew McCutcheon here. They had a lot of players who busted last year, so it's hard to pick one. But McCutcheon, I, I think, is a little worrisome going to this park at an age where the skills have begun to diminish. You see it in the stolen bases. You you see it in uh, in the batting average, the BABIP. I'm a little concerned about him. Not so much that I outright avoid him, but he's he, you could see it going wrong for him. With all these new faces, position battle? Position battle, they have... They have issues at the back of their starting rotation. I don't think they're a great fantasy option there. Ty Block, Chris Stratton, he was probably the best one last year. Um, they also have Tyler Bede, a prospect ready to emerge. But again, I don't, I don't think there's a lot of fantasy, uh, help to be had here. All right. Well, that'll bring us to our final division, the American League West. And Heath will give you the world champion Houston Astros, a sleeper. Absolutely. Evan Gaddis. People are drafting him like he's still going to be a part-time catcher. I don't expect that. I expect him to be a full-time DH. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean 600 plate appearances like he had in 2015, but I do expect more than 500. And basically, anytime he's gotten close to 500, he's been a top two or three catcher. That's my expectation for this year. Breakout for the Astros. Alex Bregman, we've talked a lot about his second-half stats, and I don't necessarily believe in second-half stats all the time, but if I'm going to, it's going to be with a 23-year-old with his pedigree. How about a bust? Yeah, I I struggle with a bust on this Astros team. I pretty much believe in everyone, but I don't necessarily believe in what Marwin Gonzalez did last year, and we do see sometimes where he gets drafted in the single-digit rounds. I believe that's a mistake. Is there a position battle you've got an eye on in Houston? Probably not in the spring, but throughout the year, I will be interested to see. I don't necessarily believe in what Charlie Morton did last year either, and this team has a ton of options in the bullpen. Brad Peacock, we've seen him start. Colin McHugh is absolutely has the ability to start. So how long does Charlie Morton hold on to his rotation spot? All right, Scott, we go to the Angels, and they brought in Shohei Otani. They're making their push. Give me a sleeper on the Angels. I mean, you could go Zach Kozar just as late as he's being drafted coming off the year he had. I think there's a little too much of a downgrade there. But I also like... Andrew Heaney, former Marlins top prospect, who uh, who wound up with the Angels. Coming back from Tommy John surgery, he showed some potential down the stretch last year, and I think there's some upside there for deep leagues. All right, how about a breakout for the Angels? Another pitcher there is Garrett Richards. He's coming back from his own elbow ligament issue. Actually didn't have Tommy John surgery, but looked dominant in, in shortened starts when he returned last September. And we've seen him be a top-notch fantasy pitcher before, so I still upside to be had there. Garrett Richards, a breakout. Who's a bust for the Angels? Bust, I'm going Justin Upton, just based on where he's being drafted. Fantasy Pros average has him in the top 40, and uh, that's kind of paying for an outlier year for him in, in terms of um, in, in terms of BABIP, in terms of quality of contact. It, we, we've seen him do this in the past. And every time he fall back, falls back to more like a seventh-round value, I think that'll happen again. Position battle, Scott? A lot of happenings in the starting rotation. Do they go six-man with Shohei Otani there? I feel like they probably have to. But even then, it's not a guarantee Heaney wins a spot. They also have Tyler Skaggs back from injury who has upside. They have Matt Shoemaker coming back from injury. Um all, None of those are mixed league caliber to start out, but they all have that kind of potential. Something to watch. The Oakland Athletics, Heath, a sleeper, please. Yeah, I think, I mean, if I'm looking for a sleeper on this team, I'd have to go Sean Mania. I still think, I, I've kind of given up on the idea of him having a breakout season just because I don't know that he's ever going to strike enough people out. But I do think he's a guy that if he could stay healthy, could give you 190 innings of a high three ZRA with maybe 160, 170 strikeouts. 
he definitely has that potential. Do you have an A's breakout? Absolutely. It's Matt Olson. Uh, 24 home runs last year in 59 games. It sounds a lot like, you know, the Gary Sanchez thing that we didn't necessarily believe. And then Gary Sanchez went out and had another great year last year. I, Olsen has the potential to hit 40 or 50 home runs. Wow. All right. Who's going to be a bust then for the A's? I don't know that there's really anybody on the A's other than Chris Davis that's going to be drafted high enough to be a bust. And I pretty much believe in what Chris Davis has done. Bust free team. How about that? Position battle? It's like Blake Trinan is going to be the closer to start the year in this team, but he, I don't know that he has enough experience in that role for me to trust he's going to hold on to it. So this is another team where you could kind of be on the lookout for are there saves that pop up early in the season. We got two teams left. Scott, we're going to go to the Seattle Mariners. Give me a sleeper on the Mariners. I'm going to go Mitch Haniger again here. I feel like we were kind of cheated out of what could have been a breakout season for him because of a couple of a couple of fluke injuries. Obviously got off to a, a, a red hot start and then had to come down a little bit just because of you know what the Babbitt looked like that first month, but finished strong and I still think has mixed league upside. Breakout on the Mariners. Breakout for the Mariners. It's got to be James Paxton, right? He could still yep. break out. Mm -hmm. He hasn't pitched even 140 innings in the majors yet. So really, that's all he has to do now on an inning-per-inning basis last year. He was an ace. And as hard as he throws, uh, as good as that breaking ball is, I think he's kind of like a left-handed Noah Syndergaard. Just want to see him, see him stay healthy for a full season. I think I know where you're going to go with this one, but give me a bust for the Mariners. I'm going with Robbie Cano. Cano. Yep, I knew it. That was it, huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it, again, it looks like early indications are he's going to be drafted as a, as a top second baseman still when three of his four years of Seattle, he's been basically who he was last year, about a 20 homer guy with pretty good batting average, but you know, not enough power in today's environment to really stand out. Now that he's getting in his mid thirties, he's more likely to go down from there than up. And finally, a position battle. The Mariners have questions at the back end of their rotation. Hernandez, Paxton, Leak, they're all secure. Marco Gonzalez has shown ability in the past, uh, but has had injury situations. He's somebody to keep an eye on. Uh, also, got to watch out for Andrew Moore, who uh, had a good year in the minors last year, didn't quite break through in the majors, but I think there's some some borderline mixed league appeal there. And we finish it off with the Texas Rangers, Heath Cummings, saving our best for last. Give me a sleeper on the Rangers. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to give you two breakouts, but we'll call Nomar Mazzara a sleeper because I don't think he's going to be drafted very high. I still believe in his upside. I still believe in the type of his on-base skills, the fact that he does not strike out. His batting average has just been awful compared to what I think it should be. I think he should be a 280 guy with a 340, 350 on base, and they're still pop there. And a Rangers breakout number two. Speaking of pop, Joey Gallo hit 41 home runs last year, and I'm not sure we're going to count that as his breakout. I do believe Joey Gallo could be a consistent 40 homer guy that gets the batting average maybe just up to the 240 range and drives in 100 runs on a very consistent basis. A bust for the Rangers. Um, I'll go with Elvis Andrews, just believing that the power breakout was not real. He hit 20 home runs last year, had never hit more than eight in his career. That is a big, big jump. So, yeah, I'll say that Andrews takes a big step back in terms of power. Give me an intriguing position battle for Texas. It's the outfield. The guy that we talked about a ton last year, Delino DeShields, does he get to play every single day? Do we see Willie Calhoun on a regular basis at DH? Both those positions very interesting. 
All right, thank you guys. Good stuff. Pretty informative show. Give you the lay Pretty of the land. Informative. Yeah, very informative show. Give you the lay of the land for all 30 teams. And when we come back on Thursday or Friday, most likely Friday, we will talk finally about the sophomore slump, although it's kind of a dud. Don't get too excited about it. Um, but, you know, we'll uh, we'll read a lot of your emails. We'll talk about pork rolls, which I'm now very, very interested in. And you two have a great day. Also, we're doing a draft. We're doing a Dynasty League startup draft today, a mock draft, so we can talk about that. I know you listeners are really into Dynasty Leagues, and we are going to do more content centered around those types of leagues. Thank you all for listening. For Heath Cummings, for Scott White, I am Adam Azer. This is Fantasy Baseball Today. Talk to you on Friday.